Parsha Shlach has the sugi of Tzitzis. I want to tell you a Gvaldiga story. Are you ready for this story? Gvaldiga story in the Indian of Tzitzis. Um, the truth is, in, in previous years, we've spoken about the godless of Tzitzis and the Kedush of Tzitzis and the Shmir of Tzitzis. I want to tell you a Gvaldiga Maisa that has to do with Tzitzis as being a protection and a garment of armor that we have. So it goes like this. Amongst the prisoners in the Auschwitz concentration camp was with Tzvi Hirsch Meisels. With Tzvi Hirsch Meisels, there are many stories that we've said before about him and that he's been involved in. But listen to this story. With Tzvi Hirsch Meisels was a dedicated rov to his communities, to his tzibur, until, of course, the Nazis in Maksimum came in and invaded, when eventually they forced um, Rav Meisels and his family away from their home. And at that point, when they did that, there was very little opportunity for them to take anything. There was almost no time to take anything, to have the uh, have the thought of what exactly they could take with them. But there was one item that Ritzvihar Meisels did want to bring with him, and he thought very much about, and that's those few moments that he did get to think about what to bring with him. There was one item, and that was his talus. Now, there was, he had in his possession a very, very precious talus that wasn't just his own. It was actually a gift from his father-in-law, that this talus belonged to a huge tzaddik, Ramosha Teitelbaum. Ramosha Teitelbaum was the Bala Machaba, the Yitav Leiv, and he was Zoycha to have this talus. So when he was taken out by the Nazis, he made sure to take that talus with him. Because he knew, Chazal tell us very clearly, that a talus is a protection, it's a shmira from any ra, from any evil. And therefore he was convinced that not only is it a regular talus, but it's also a talus that had belonged to a tremendous tzaddik, and therefore he wanted to use that as his shmira, as his protection. He had no idea what was about to, uh, you know, befall him in those days. They didn't know what was coming their way, and therefore they sensed danger, but still they didn't know exactly the magnitude of what it would be, but he wanted to make sure he had shmira. When he arrived in Auschwitz, so as we know, the Yidden at the time, as they, around to, as they arrived to the concentration camps, were asked to give away all their possessions. So, you know, yes, they were told originally that they were going to a work camp and they could take with them a minimum amount of possessions. Once they actually got to the concentration camp, they, at the end of the day, were told to give up their possessions and were no longer allowed it. But Rabbi Meisels had no choice at that stage but to give over his precious talus. He had no choice. But he was determined to do whatever he could. He couldn't do it then, but he was determined at any stage in the near future to get back that talus. Now, he made a lot of inquiries from, there were Jews that used to work in various sorting uh, departments that would sort out the possessions that the Jews have just came in. So he got friendly with some of them, and he made uh, inquiries, and he found out that most of the confiscated possessions were brought to one specific location in the camp. They would be sorted out. That Any item of substantial value would generally be sent to Germany for the Germans to use, for the government or for the army personnel to use. To, to use. Now, somehow, Rabbi Meisels managed to join the group of prisoners that was actually assigned to sort out the possessions. Now, during the work, he was obviously looking for his own possessions as well as obviously having to do the work of sorting out other Jews' possessions. He found his precious talus amongst his search. And he was, you can imagine the simcha that he had to be able to find not only his own talas, but the talas that was given to him by his father that belonged to a Moshe title, Ban the Yitavleid. It was a tremendous simcha. 
he took, he got it and he's thinking, what is he going to do with himself? What, what's he going to do with it? It's not like they had like, you know, pockets and things they could stuff things in. So he wrapped it around his body in a way that it wouldn't be, you know, so obvious. And obviously he had his clothing on top of that. And he slowly managed to bring it back to where he slept in his barrack. But he knew, he knew there's no question that what he did was subject to death. Right, if they would have found out, or if they do find out what he did, he would immediately be shot, and maybe all the people around him. But there's no question about it; he had taken his life into his own hands. If the guards would have found out what he did, there's no way would have, no way he wouldn't have been killed on the spot. But it was his talus, and it was Shmira, and he was willing to take the risk. Again, we never ask questions when it comes to these things because we don't understand what they went through, and therefore we don't ask halachic questions of how they could do that. They did it. Now, to minimize the risk of keeping it. Rabbi Malzus was forced to cut the talus, because a huge talus obviously will be very uh, obvious, and there's no way you can hide the thick thing in the middle of a barrack. So what he had to do was, is he cut it down. And he cut it down to become a talus cotton. And he figured that his biggest chance of keeping it for as long as possible and using it as a shmira that no one would hop would be to make it into a talus cotton. He could sort of fit it under his clothing, tuck it in the strings, and this way no one would be able to hop what it was. Now remember... That doesn't mean that what he did was okay. If they would find that out, they would also realize that this is something against the law and against what they were allowing, and therefore they would have put him to death. That wouldn't have been a question. Remember, that we all know and we're familiar with the clothing that they had. It was as thin as anything. It was the thinnest paper, right? It wasn't this thick thing. So he could have been, you know, in a moment, he could have been found out. But again, he was willing for the mitzvah of tzitzis. The mysterious nefesh that he had was able to do that. Now, that was the risk that he was able to take. Now, it was an incredible thing. He wore a talus cotton every single day in Auschwitz. Can you imagine? In the concentration camp, right? Until the final days of the war, when he was working in a labor camp nearby, and it was a time that the Germans decided to empty the labor camp of all its prisoners. Now, the uh, sound of the American gunfire, gunfire could be heard in the distance, and everybody was attempting to try and run as much as they could. The ruthless Nazis um, took with them any Jews that were alive, and before boarding the cattle cars, yet for another time, the inmates were searched in case they had anything of value on them uh, before they went onto the cattle cars. It was then that the talus cotton of Rabbi Meisels was finally found on him at that time. A German guard actually ripped the garment when he found it off Rabbi Meisels' body, and threw it straight into the fire that was nearby, obviously to the Rav's horror. Rabbi Meisels was devastated. Can you imagine? He managed pretty much the entire war that he was in the concentration camp to wear this talus cotton, to have that shmira. And he believed, and which makes sense from this week's parasha, that the talus cotton that he wore was the source of the fact that he was able to leave the war, and he was alive at the end of the war. That was the source of protection. Now, the Germans at that stage were in a huge panic, because all of a sudden the Americans were coming in, they didn't know where to go, where, where to turn, and they didn't know their danger that was getting to them. Now, he had his talus cotton gone, but Rabbi Meisels knew that there were other Jews who also survived to the point had done so without this talus cotton. And just as Hashem has watched over them, he would continue to watch over him. The Nazis herded their prisoners into the cattle cars in their obviously brutal way. The cars, as we know, had no ventilation, no food or water for the Jews that were packed tight one next to the other with no room to move. The wicked guard who had destroyed his talus cotton was one of those who were placed in the actual car that Rabbi Meisel was traveling in with his son, Rabbi Meisel's son, Zalman Leib. 
Can you imagine he saw the guard and he ripped off his talus cotton and he believed was his shmir, his protection during those years in the war. And that was the guard that was assigned to be there in his cattle car to watch over them. Now the guards obviously made sure that the conditions that they had for themselves were obviously much better than the prisoners had. And they put benches down in the middle and they, you know, relaxed over it, whatever it was. And they had loads of food and loads of drink because, you know, they had no problem with being there and traveling. Darkness eventually fell as the train wound its way to the countryside. Rabbi Meisels was overcome by exhaustion at that stage, attempted to try and sleep in the only way possible, which was while standing. That was the only way to sleep at the time. Being in a cattle car was as you stood. Now, he t- you put your head to the left, you rest on the shoulder of his son, and eventually Zalmaleib would rest his head on his father's shoulder, and that's how they spent the night in the cattle car um, since the war had begun, and that's what they were used to. Rabbi Meisels was only asleep for a few minutes when he was awakened by his son in an anguished voice, Tati, Tati, my shoulder hurts so much, I can't take the pain any longer. Rabbi Meisels at that point obviously had no choice but to raise his own head and um, he did find, however, his son's complaint to be a bit strange because they've done this many, many times and his son never complained about the pain on his, sh- on his shoulder. Rabbi Meisel's neighbor to the right then told the Rav, Rav, please rest your head on his shoulder. Rabbi Zalman neighbor, the Rav's son, overcome by exhaustion, placed his own head on his neighbor to his left. <coughs> Moments later, the sound of the American warplane was heard. The drone of the engine mixed with the sound, sound of gunfire as the Air Force crews mistakenly assuming that the train was actually carrying German soldiers started to try and rain down ammunition on the train. And suddenly gunfire ripped a hole in the roof of the car in which Rabbi Meisel stood and shot directly between the tilted heads of the Rav and his son, hitting the guard and tearing off both of his hands. Soon afterwards, the sound of the planes grew fainter as they headed off and the Jews in that car were Baruch Hashem unharmed. Now you can imagine the guard, the German guard, who had thrown the Rav's talus in the fire, screamed in pain and begged everyone around him to do something for him. One of the other guards called out, well, I guess you won't be able to throw any other Jews' prayer shawl into the fire anymore. When at that point, when he heard that, this German soldier turned to Rabbi Meisels and begged for forgiveness. Rabbi Meisels had within him a small <coughs> book of Tehillim, which he hadn't stopped saying to Hillem since the German invasion had begun. And they started saying, And he realized at that time, and this, 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 this story is brought down in Sefer Mekadjei Hashem, that he realized the protection that the talus, that the talus cotton that the tzitzes had given him and the punishment that this German guard had got so swiftly and so obviously that was pointed out by another German that he had done that, thrown a Jewish prayer, prayer shawl into the fire that protection of tzitzis. Now, Rabbi said, just to end the story with a simple idea, the Mesiris Nefesh that he had, we're not asking anyone to be on that level, we're not on that level, Baruch Hashem, we don't have the Nisoyness of that either, and we never asked to be in a Matzav of Nisoyen, but just a little bit of Mesiris Nefesh. Tzitzis is a beautiful mitzvah. It's an easy mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that offers tremendous protection. Sometimes we are very lax in it because, no, I need it, I don't need it, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, whatever. I, I, I get that, I get that, it's hard. But, look at the mysterious nefesh that Yidin had for a simple mitzvah of tzitzis. 
simple mitzvah tzitzis, what they were willing to do and give up for tzitzis is unbelievable. I think that should be this week's parasha, parasha shlach, a tremendous chizik for ourselves in this most incredible and beautiful mitzvah of tzitzis. And through that, we should be zorcha to the brochas that Chazal tell us that when we wear tzitzis, we're gathered the shechina, we're going to get tremendous, tremendous siyata deshmaya and brocha that comes to all of our lives.